Ahoy, and welcome to Afternoonified. The first podcast to ever be awarded a letter of mark by the British government. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. First order of business. Send this French naval ship to Davy Jones's locker. Break your colors, you bloomin' cockroaches! By thunder, we'll see you to Davy Jones! Was that not my line? No, that was your line. Uh, <laughs> I hope cannon fire translates in an audio medium. Like, I know you can, like, you see it and you hear it and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a cannon. But I don't know how that's going to sound just loose. Well, it will be an experiment in sound editing. Maybe I'll just play the first 20 minutes of, like, the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie and we'll call it good. <laughs> um, Okay. We have already done pirates on this show. We did? I have already done pirates on this show. But um, it was back when I was still figuring out how to research. So I don't know if it was a solid episode because I don't want to go back and listen to it. And all of my notes pre-Barbie pre got deleted. So oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Have you seen the, the pictures coming out of the Barbie set? Oh, yes. Um, I need to see the Simu Lu uh, pictures, though, because that's what I'm interested 100%. in. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I lost all of my notes. I don't really remember what we covered in Pirates. I'm not going to do, like, the basics again, because we're going to be getting into specifics. Ooh. Because today we are talking about gentleman pirate Steed Bonnet. <gasps> the famous one. The from famous the show that you've yes, all watched. From the show. Which is, let's be real, why I'm doing this episode. I don't care who knows it. This is our Pride episode <laughs> that we're recording on June 30th. 30th. Right in under the wire. Um, I will confess, I have not seen Our Flag Means Death yet. I'm very sorry. I will watch it. I you will. want to after this. Also, uh, like, 25-minute, half-an-hour episodes. Very easy watch. Also good to know. Um, very funny watch. I'm going to watch it after we record this <laughs> for the second time. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about some general pirate info, just to give you a feel for the time, and then we're going to get into Steed, and we're also going to talk about a couple of his very special pirate friends. Yay! One of his very special pirate friends. I know you guys know who it is. Were they all really buddies in real life? Yes. Great. I, I did have a section on um, Israel hands, uh, Izzy hands, but I cut it because it wasn't relevant, and... Um, for all the other Our Flag Means Death junkies out there, um, Spanish Jackie is based on a real pirate story. So there you go. Not played by Leslie Jones in the in the story, I believe. <laughs> it was a bold casting. Anyway, so let's go back to the golden age of piracy, wherein I will try to explain things better than I presumably did last time. I can only imagine. I've gotten marginally better at this. Well, everybody gets better when they at things when you've done them like a hundred times. Six years, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been doing this for six years. Good God. Well, you've been doing this for six years. I've been doing it for three? Something like that. You've been listening to it. You've been a member of the community. <laughs> so to make a very 
Long story short, the golden age of piracy was a period when robbery on the the high seas uh, and at colonial ports was at an all-time high. And uh, while the time frame, uh, about 1690 to 1730, is broad and not widely agreed upon, because why would historians agree on anything? Have historians ever agreed on anything? No. They didn't even agree on parts of the story. So if you think I'm wrong, like, we just have different sources, I guess. So it generally involved pirates who operated in the Caribbean, the East Coast of America, the Eastern Atlantic, and the Indian Ocean. And the reason for this, very broadly, is that the uh, War of Spanish Independence ended. And so all of the privateers that had been hired to, like, fuck with the other side, a privateer is basically a sanctioned pirate, incidentally. Mm -hmm. Uh, You wore a wig. It was a whole thing. Uh, So that war ended. Is the wig required? No, but it it adds a nice touch. Just kind of set it on top of stuff, like uh, Barbosa in the, what, third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, second one? Third. I'm sure I saw the third Pirates of the Caribbean story, but gun to my head, I could not tell you a single thing about it. Maybe it was the fourth one. It was the fourth one. It was Stranger Tides. Anyway, that's not, we're not. No. So this War of Spanish Independence ended, and all the privateers were basically laid off. <laughs> and so you had all these people that had spent this whole time pillaging and attacking other ships who now didn't have that to do. Right. And like, what other marketable skills do you have? Yeah, exactly. So they turned to piracy, which was already a thing. Like, pirates had been a thing for a long time. Like, buccaneers in the Spanish mm-hmm. main. That was a, a different different thing. So anyway, that was the golden age of piracy. It lasted for about 40 years, give or take, whatever. And it ended when the Royal Navy, the British East India Trading Company, um, and colonial governors decided to be more aggressive and tough on piracy uh, because it was interrupting the slave trade. Ah. Oh. God forbid. Yes. So it resulted in the capture and hanging of hundreds of pirates from London to the Carolinas to Barbados. You know, that's how the story ends. Spoiler. So depressingly. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that piracy still happens to this day. Yeah. It's just less fun. Um, (laughs) So the golden age was just when piracy was the most fun and easy to do. And it was also... A time after the Europeans did all their exploration and general fuckery. So trade between colonies was at an all-time high, with leadership and military presence not really meeting the demand required of that kind of expansion. Mm-hmm. So this made certain ports and ships easy targets for your general pillaging, plundering yoho. Um, and on top of all of that, during this period, people were increasingly upset about the gap between the rich and the poor, as well as the fact that the British Empire were a bunch of authoritarian dickheads. So what you're telling me is we're about to see a resurgence in pirates. I hope so. Um, so despite it being an offense that could get you hanged, piracy was a pretty good option for the more anarchy-minded person with some <laughs> knowledge of sailing. If you like boats and you like lighting shit on fire, the pi- pirate is the job for you. If you like tons of booty and... Not seeing any women. (laughs) That sounded a lot different than it did in my head. Like, I actually did not mean it to sound like that. Um, (laughs) So the majority... Happy Pride, everybody. (laughs) The majority of the pirates in the Golden Age were either British or American, but there were not insignificant populations of a shitload of other nationalities, uh, particularly Dutch and French. French pirate just sounds like they have a baguette for a cutlass. (laughs) 
Like, oh, ha, ha, yo, ho, ho. That's <laughs> exactly the sound I wanted to make, but I knew my mouth couldn't make it without sounding like an idiot. So I'm glad you fell on that sword. <laughs> fell on that baguette, so to speak. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do a French accent, but I have <laughs> sung the Les Poissons song from The Little Mermaid so many times that I do have the he, 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 ha, 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 down pretty well. Anyways. <clears throat> So uh, a lot of them were Dutch and French. Um, And pirate crews could, in fact, include anyone from anywhere, including formerly enslaved people and indigenous peoples. And as a sidebar, that is something that Our Flag Means Death shows particularly well. It's actually a decently historically accurate show. Excellent. Um, Ah, Yes. So uh, actually, by the middle of the Golden Age, about 30% of pirates were black. Oh, very cool. Yeah, usually um, they had been freed slash stolen, but, like, (laughs) freed mostly from slave ships that pirates had attacked. Yeah. And I also imagine, like, if that's your lot in life, like, what what other jobs are you going to find? Like, it's very hard to find respectable work when you're in that position. Yeah. And um, one thing that I, I did find very interesting and, like, nice about pirates is that... A crew member was a crew member, and they all had the same say in stuff, and they all, like, they were surprisingly democratic. Like, mm-hmm. everyone would vote on actions that they were doing outside of battle where the captain was, like, the captain. But it didn't matter who you were or where you came from, you were just a crew member, and you had the same rights as all the other crew members. That's very cool. Yeah. That being said, I don't support piracy. There's a lot of, like, rape and pillaging and stuff, so please don't take it that way. Yeah, I say it's easy to focus on like all the fun stuff about pirates like that you see in the movies and then ignore, you know, the very real great. harm that they did to people. Um but they did mostly attack uh trade ships and shit. Um Anyway, so while just about anyone with a need for treasure and a lack of seasickness could become a pirate, <laughs> uh it took a little more to be a notable captain. So, while some individual crew members gained a name for themselves in their own right, the names most strongly attached to the period were captains. And weirdly, a couple of them did so mostly by dressing weird and like creating a mythos about themselves. It's it's always branding. Yeah, exactly. Gotta build a brand. Uh Bartholomew Black Bart Roberts was famous for wearing a scarlet silk coat and a matching damask waistcoat and a diamond necklace. God damn. Right. I love it. And then Blackbeard, more on him later. Um, wore black ribbons in his beard and carried six pistols and lit fuses under his hat. <laughs> you didn't necessarily have to be stabby to be a notable captain. You gotta be just a little bit extra. Yeah, uh, but other captains did take a more violence-oriented approach. Um, Charles Vane once fired his cannons at the ship of the governor of the Bahamas, which is very ballsy. <laughs> wow. Um, while Edward Lowe amassed a long list of heinous crimes, such as mutilation, burning, hanging his victims, uh, all of that between 1721 and 1724. Damn. Yeah, he was one of those shitty pirates. I mean, good pirate, like, in the technical sense, but like... But like, ruining all the fun for other people sort of pirates. <laughs> exactly. So there were them, and then there was Steed Bonnet, who did none of those things. Huh. But still managed to secure a place in history... And my heart. This is, um, oh my god, I can't remember his name right now. Reese Darby? No, well, yes, that, that is who plays uh, Steed Bonnet. But, like, him in this story is the equivalent of um, 
the rocket scientist that hung out with L. Ron Hubbard. Oh. <laughs> it's that level of like, yeah, you're a questionable person, but I love you. So Steed Bonnet was born in Barbados somewhere around 1688. Uh, he was formally christened at a church near Bridgetown, Barbados on July 29th, the same year. So most people assume he was born in 1688. Right. So there's probably better records of his baptism than there is for his birth. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is the 1600s. We didn't- yeah. Churches keep records. There are no hospitals keeping records. Especially not in Barbados at that time. Oh, yeah. No. It wasn't um, colonized enough. So I was going to say, maybe your parents wrote the name down in the family Bible. Bible. Like, that's pretty much it. Um, so his parents were wealthy landowners with over 400 acres of land that was mostly used for growing sugar. So, you know, as wealthy European colonists tended to do back in those days. Mm-hmm. Not a lot is, no- uh, is known about Steed's, um, quote, childhood, uh, a term that I use loosely here because he inherited his family's land when his parents both died in ni- uh, 1694. And I don't think you can be both a child and own a plantation at the same time. <laughs> no, I think those two things are mutually exclusive. And also, like, childhood at that time was such a specious concept. <laughs> Like, very few children actually got to be children. I do know that he had two sisters. I don't know their names or what happened to them, but that's about the extent that I know about his, like, childhood childhood. Steed received what has been described as a liberal education, but in the original sense of the phrase, where, like, it came from the Latin word liber, which means book. Yeah, I think of, like, when I took my intro to politics course and it was like, Whatever this philosopher, this was like a liberal philosophy, but liberal does not mean like progressive. It means something else that I don't remember. Um, He read a lot, studied uh, philosophy, all of that shit. Uh, He was a fancy little boy who was called bookish by many people who knew him. He was Angus. Oh, (laughs) sweet boy. (laughs) Yes, he's a sweet boy. Uh, So at the age of 21... Bonnet married Mary Allenby in so in 1709, uh, who was also the daughter of a plantation owner. Uh, they lived in Bridgeton, Bridgetown. Bridgeton sounds like it's probably who, accurate. You know what? Whichever way you choose to pronounce it, it's going to be pronounced the other way. I don't think I have to say it too much anymore. So Bridgeton it is. Uh, and they had four children, three sons and a daughter. And Steed didn't do too badly for himself. Um, as a landowner, he became a major in the island's militia, which, as being a, a wealthy landowner, you just kind of got uh-huh. the title. I was going to say he got a pretty good head start in life, oh, so yeah, I oh, imagine yeah. he did very well for himself. This is the the definition of being born on third base. Yeah, but yeah, he he earned a spot in the militia because, unfortunately, the primary focus of militias was deterring revolts by the enslaved people. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Some said that he served in the actual military, but this is highly unlikely. I mean, he might have, like, been, like, had a military title or something, but, like, actively serving is... No, he got the title of major, so he was Major Bonnet. (laughs) But, yeah, he was kind of a soft boy, so probably didn't serve in the military or do fighting at all. I was gonna say, yeah, like, even if he served, he probably had, like, a desk Desk job. job. After establishing himself as an upright member of Barbadian society, he was made a justice of the peace in January of 1716. Again, probably just because, right? Like, that's all the information I have on that appointment. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure everyone's like, but Emily, he was only 28. How could he be a justice of the peace? Uh, People live for like 45 minutes on average. So (laughs) he might as well have been 48. Yep. 
Um, a year later, after the death of his oldest son and subsequent depression and apparent mental break. I can't imagine why. I know. Major Bonnet informed his friends and family that he was leaving Barbados. On March 25th, 1718, he prepared the legal papers that allowed his wife and two friends to take care of affairs while he was away. Uh, but he did not specify why he was going away, or if he did give a reason, he lied. Without the knowledge of his family and friends, Steed bought a 60-ton sloop, named her the Revenge, and armed her with 10 guns and hired a 70-man crew. I'm crying. He literally just, like, decided he was going to be a pirate and bought a big boat. (laughs) And a crew. Yeah. Yeah. I love that for him. I love that for him. He didn't even have to apprentice. He just made himself a captain and it's just like, I, I'm just going to be a pirate now. Yeah. I've got the money to. Why the fuck not? Yeah. So bitch wanted to be a pirate and he wasn't going to let stuff like a family or a job or business obligations stop him, which giving up on everything to go be a pirate is a very 20 something move. So it's, you know, not. A yeah. Surprise. It's also just like generally like a rich white guy thing to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck? Else? I'm just going to do this thing. Like, you you can decide that you're going to be a thing, and then you can just go do it. Speaking of rich white guys, we're going to talk about boats for a second. <laughs> so although the media often has pirates sailing in large galleon-type ships, which are the big fuck-off ships with, like, multiple decks and three masts and uh, Johnny Depp in them, um, the reality was a little smaller. Actually, going back to that, he stole a Navy ship in the beginning of the first Pirates of the Caribbean, so... That makes sense. And the boat that he rode in on, very small. So I take yeah. it back. <laughs> anyway, the reality was smaller, like I said. Uh, the vast majority of pirates preferred something like a sloop, which is a shallower, single-masted situation. Like, it still has the big butt on the back where uh-huh. the captain lives and, like, a lower deck. But they're not... They can sail in a shallower water where larger naval ships couldn't follow them. Okay, yeah, I can see how that would be, like, useful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's about what I picture when I think of a pirate ship. It's not all, like, big stolen Navy ships, although that did happen sometimes. And, like, I'm sure they are, like, fairly big size, just because you gotta fit a lot of people in them, but, like... Yeah. Definitely not, like, yeah, British warship-sized. Well, they're... Having a big ship was also important to some pirates who preferred um, a larger ship capable of matching... Uh, like, lower-rated naval vessels and firepower, because, you know, dream big. Yeah. Prestige was also a factor, and it was significant that more notorious and successful pirates did possess the biggest ships, which I assume is a dick thing? It's always a dick thing, Emily. <laughs> it is. Uh, so Captain Kidd, you may have heard of him, uh, sailed the, the Adventure Galley. And this was a 287-ton, three-masted ship, which could pursue a target in all conditions, thanks to some business with sail diversity, and there were oars, kind of like in a Viking ship. It was a big fuck-off boat. It was also crewed by over 150 men and armed with 34 cannons. The most powerful pirate ship that we know of um, in this period was Bartholomew Roberts' Royal Fortune. It was a former French warship that had 42 cannons, and Roberts made some modifications so it was faster, uh, and he captured around 400 ships in his time. That is a lot of boats. Yes, but our, our man Steed had no experience as a captain of a pirate ship, or any ship, or 
being at sea. I was going to say, had he ever been on? I, I sure he has. Been like, has he ever been on a boat? I know he's been on a. Well, I assume he's been on a boat. He had not captained one, um, so he had not been responsible. Nor was he familiar with like the pirate code, and which is a thing. I don't think it's called. I think it's like the Pirate Bill of Rights, but it's a thing that existed. So he mostly relied on his quartermaster and other crew for sailing knowledge, which resulted in his crew not having like the most respect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, in another break from tradition, Bonnet paid his crew wages, not shares of plunder, as most pirates did, which I thought was kind of cool. But I can see where someone who like signed up to be a pirate might want commission instead of salary. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, it's definitely better labor practices, but I guess it depends on how much you're paying your pirates. Yeah, I mean, he obviously paid them well enough that, like, they didn't mutiny. Yeah, I mean, there's that. So, yeah, I don't know how much he paid them. I don't really know what the currency was for pirates, because you went to a bunch of different places. But I think precious metals, you know, Mm -hmm. did a lot. So, pirate treasure was cool. Uh, Like, that's one thing that movies and books seem to actually get right. So, pirates preferred... Uh, and I quote, portable loot, <laughs> gold, silver, gems, uh, coins were the most easily disposed of. And so a treasure chest of Spanish silver pesos or pieces of eight uh, or gold doubloons were like top tier booty. Yeah. And this is the like period of time where money is actually worth something. It's not like yes. an abstract concept. Yeah. It's not uh, like a trust system. They had yeah. like actual gold and stuff yeah there's a literal inherent value in the actual physical coin yeah and the next best thing was valuable cargo so items that could easily be sold included rolls of silk spices indigo dye tobacco rum furs hides sugar other foodstuffs and if you were really lucky you got the boat itself which could be used to repair your own ship replace your ship or you assign someone you trust on your crew to that ship and now you have a pirate fleet (laughs) expand expanding the business yes literally i think i might have been a little stoned when i wrote the sentence uh booty was supervised by the quartermaster (laughs) (laughs) booty uh until it could be shared out or sold and the proceeds divided and as a side note the quartermaster which i immediately thought of q from james bond yep which is not the same thing the quartermaster was basically the the manager like he kept an eye on things, gave assignments, that kind of stuff. He also watched over the loot. And crew members typically got one share each, um, and the quartermaster and the captain received two. And the various, quote, officers, or more experienced seamen, uh, and skilled workers like the boat carpenter and gunner sometimes got, like, one and a half shares, maybe two. Uh, it was very diplomatic. And crew members were also compensated for any injuries they had sustained during an attack. They had insurance. <laughs> That's very nice. Say more egalitarian, or not egalitarian necessarily, but more forward thinking than most everything else at this time. My The next sentence was literally, pirates were surprisingly more democratic than we give them credit for. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they also held back a little bit of the loot um, to go into the, like, oh, you got hurt during this fight fund. Oh, nice. And also for, like, groceries. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. It's basically just a bunch of roommates with, like, yeah. one head roommate that, like, solves the big shit. 
you know when you when you go to another apartment to take it over like you listen to the head roommate who tells everybody what to do when you're fighting for that apartment it is like a college dormitory and so and the captain is the ra yes that um, is an appropriate analogy so nevertheless on its maiden voyage to plunder the revenge and steed managed to do their jobs after departing from home under cover of darkness because again steed hadn't told anyone about his little midlife crisis mission <laughs> this is the equivalent of like a man going bald and buying himself a corvette to make up for it yes 100 percent. he is 28 years old <laughs> baby so the first trip out took him to the coast of the colony of Virginia, near the entrance of the Chesapeake Bay, where he captured and plundered four vessels and burned the Barbadian ship Turbot to keep news of his many, many, many crimes from getting back home. <laughs> because I guess one of the first ships he came across was from Barbados, and they recognized Whoops. his ass. <laughs> this, I could see why this story would make for a good TV show, because there's just so many, like, inherent comedy to it, it. literally in the first episode of the show like he's like let's do that ship and then they pull up to it and it's a british naval ship and the guy <laughs> on it is like bonnet <laughs> uh, he sailed north to new york took two more ships and picking up naval supplies and releasing captive at gardeners i think it's pronounced island so you know did some some like clerical work up yeah. in new york so by August of 1717, Bonnet had returned to the Carolinas, where he attacked two more ships, a brigantine from Boston and another Barbadian sloop. Uh, he stripped the brigantine, but brought the cargo-filled Barbadian ship to an inlet off of North Carolina to use it for repairs. Uh, because, like, you would collect ships and then you'd, like... You go dock them someplace and... No, not... Well, you don't necessarily dock them. You more use one ship to pull up to the front of the other ship to perform, like, in-ocean repairs on okay. your ship using parts of other ships. I My mind has a hard time wrapping around how that would work, but I'm sure there's ways. Oddly, this is mostly information that I gathered from watching Travis play Assassin's Creed Black Flag. <laughs> Um, so in September of 1717, Bonnet headed for Nassau. Nassau? Yeah, Nassau. Nassau, which at that time was an infamous pirate haven on the island of New Providence in the Bahamas. On the way there, he encountered, fought, and escaped from a Spanish man of war, which was a big fucking ship with like 120 guns. Also jellyfish, but the big boat makes more sense. No, he fought a big jellyfish. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, Make yeah. that into a TV show. So the Revenge was badly damaged, Bonnet was seriously wounded, and half the crew of the sloop was killed or wounded in the encounter. Ouch. Yeah, it was not good. He should not... He bit off a little more he could chew than he could chew there. I mean, from the very beginning. But he was very much the type of man where, like, other pirates would, would do it strategically. Like, we're not going to take on that ship. It has 40 guns. We have 30. Like, let's not fuck with it. Yeah. He was very much like, I want to fuck it. <laughs> And then he did try. He's going to fuck around and find out. Yes, he is. <laughs> Steed Bonnet, gentleman pirate, fucks around and finds out. So uh, pirate havens were, incidentally, a real thing. Um, the main havens were Port Royal in Jamaica, Tortuga in uh, Haiti, uh, New Providence, Nassau in the Bahamas, and Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. Uh, so havens were chosen for their secluded and safe harbors and easy access to freshwater, fruit, meat, timber all of that in the island's interior um, and being close to the main shipping routes, but not too close. 
yeah was an advantage as well. So many pirate havens grew into large towns with inns, brothels, merchant stalls, everything that a good pirate would need when resting their sea legs. Boy, those must have been fun towns. Uh, New Providence Harbor, Nassau, hosted some 600 pirates at its peak, while at the same time, Madagascar had 1,500 pirates using the island as a base. Uh, Port Royal, actually, before an earthquake destroyed it in the late 1600s, uh, I think it had like 100 bars or something like that. It was nuts. But what made me giggle about Port Royal, because I was like, I recognize that name. Um, I looked into it, and Port Royal is the town in the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, I thought so. Uh, Apparently, for the purpose of this film, or maybe in real life, I didn't get that too far in it, they rebuilt Port Royal after the earthquake and turned it into, like, a respectable colonized town. Well, I do assume that the entire Pirates of the Caribbean franchise takes place in, like, an alternate universe to our own. Well, it also takes place at the very end of the Golden Age of Pirates, because that's, like, the whole plot of the last movie, or the, well, the third movie, uh, is that piracy is being cracked down on so hard, which is true. Yeah. Um, So, like, it it met that in that respect. So, after docking in Nassau, Bonnet replaced his casualties, refitted the Revenge, and increased its firepower to a whole 12 guns. I mean, that's a respectable amount of guns. Yeah. And while on the island, Steed crossed paths with a man named Edward Teach. You know, Edward Teach. Taika Waititi. Blackbeard to his friends, Ian McShane, Taika Waititi, that guy. A weirdly handsome pirate in my head. He probably smelled like shit and like. Oh, did he not probably look good. smelled terrible. Oh, they all smelled. I mean, everybody did. I mean, I'm sure the pirates smelled particularly badly, but everybody smelled bad. Ugh, can you imagine Blackbeard's beard? <laughs> so. Just to catch you up on Ed's life up until this specific point, nothing of Blackbeard's early life is known for certain, except that he was presumably born in Bristol, England, and spent his young years at sea raiding French and Spanish ships in Jamaican waters during the War of Spanish Succession. Is it generally assumed he was born maybe poor, since we don't have any information about him? It is likely that his father was either a pirate or some sort of seagoing individual. Okay. Uh, so not the most rich. Um, Steed really was, he stood out like, there's a reason he was called the gentleman pirate. Pirates generally didn't come from yeah. uh, upper class. They weren't highborn, yeah. No. Uh, so Edward Teach was most likely an assumed name, as it was customary to pirate under a fake name for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, his real name may have been Edward Thatch or Thatch Drummond, but this could also be bullshit and we will literally never know. <laughs> I was say, records not existing. <laughs> Also, like, paper trail, not existing. (laughs) So, from September 1717, Teach served as a captain in the Bahamas under the British pirate and former privateer Benjamin Hornigold. That's a name. Yeah, it really is. Around this time is when he met Captain Bonnet, gentleman pirate. (laughs) (laughs) So, and this is where it gets, like, cute. Like, really cute. Even from, like, a non-fictionalized aspect. Um, Okay. So, disabled by his wounds, Bonnet temporarily ceded command of the Revenge to Blackbeard, but remained aboard as a guest of the more experienced pirate. This is a rom-com, if I've ever heard of one. (laughs) This is why you need to watch the show. Uh, So, Blackbeard and Bonnet sailed northward to Delaware Bay, where they plundered 11 ships. On the 29th of September, 1717, the Revenge, captained by Blackbeard, plundered a sloop named Betty, who had a cargo full of Madeira wine. 
Ooh. And it was a good fucking night on the revenge. I bet. God damn. Um, Captain Cod, whose merchant ship was taken on October 12th, described Bonnet as, quote, walking in the deck in his nightshirt, lacking any command and still unwell from his wounds. <laughs> he just wanted to be part of the party. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. The sweet boy. Yeah. He's an idiot, but I love him. Um. The Revenge later captured and looted the Spofford and Sea Nymph, which were leaving Philadelphia. Which you don't really think about a lot of piracy happening up there, but... Yeah. So, uh, one of their more notable captures was the Concorde, a French ship on its way to Martinique loaded with gold, coins, gems, and other great booty from trading posts in Africa. Booty. It's always funny. Blackbeard took over this vessel in November of 1717 and renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge. The ship had seen service as a slave ship, so it could hold 300 or so men that were required to man the 40 cannons. The Queen Anne's Revenge was, yeah, was a big fuck-off boat. Okay, that's, that's a respectable amount of guns. This is why Blackbeard is so well-known. He had a brand, he had a big boat. Both requirements. Yes. Um, so by early 1718, Blackbeard had, like I said, figured his brand out and was an imposing figure thanks to his stature. Uh, he was rumored to be between like six foot and six five. Is a big man. Yeah. Um, Statured and a black beard tied with black ribbons. Uh, he was also respected by his men, something that our man Steed didn't quite have. Well, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he bought all his sailors. <laughs> yes. Um, he also had a cooler flag. I cannot wait to hear about the flag. This is a big deal. Flags were a big deal. So the first weapon a pirate would turn to was intimidation. Uh, and this took the form of the Jolly Roger flag, which is the, the pirate flag we all know and love. That's the skull and crossbones, right? Yes, the flag. Um, so when this flag was hoisted, there were other variations, but a merchant vessel knew that they were being warned that pirates were coming, and the sensible thing to do was not put up any resistance. As they drew closer, they might raise a red flag or a blood flag, which signaled that they were going to fuck them up. <laughs> uh, as most pirate victims were poorly armed, the pirates usually boarded their targets with ease, did their business, got on their way. Yes, I assume it was actually not common for people to be fighting back. No, unless they were attacking like a naval ship, which didn't happen yeah. that often. Uh, so Blackbird, um, at least according to, to legend, had a particularly graphic version of the Jolly Roger because this is where it gets really, really fucking cute. Pirates would come up with their own versions of the Jolly Roger to fly so people would know, you know. Who exactly was attacking them. Who they were fucking with. That's very cute. But they also did it. I like, hope they sewed of, them themselves. Also a plot point in Our Flag Means Death. Uh, <laughs> See, I don't even know how to watch the show. I've already seen it, apparently. Uh, he had a version of the Jolly Roger, which he raised to secure pretty much instant surrender. Um, on his flag, a skeleton holding an hourglass in one hand was pointing a spear at a bleeding heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's so just over the top. Yes. I love it. Um, these symbols reminded those on the ship being approached that their time was running out and death was the only outcome if any resistance was met. <laughs> um, Steed, on the other hand, had a flag that depicted a white skull above a horizontal long bone between a heart and a dagger. <laughs> and I don't know what it stood for, but the heart on a flag just kind of... Yeah. When it's not bleeding. I mean, I'm assuming it means like you can choose between life or death sort of thing, maybe. I don't oh, know. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. 
Uh, yeah, it's very cute how pirates had their own scary flags that they came up with on their own. Um, so it didn't take Blackbeard long to realize that Bonnet was n- not really cut out to be a captain. Um, and he let him hang out for a long time, and like he never fully relieved him of his title of captain, uh, probably because after his injury, Steed fell into another depression, and it's thought that Blackbeard didn't want to make it worse. Oh, that's very sweet of him. <laughs> I also just found out today that uh, pirates had um, basically sometimes civil ceremonies between two pirates, which basically meant that if one pirate died, his stuff would be willed to the pirate that he'd entered into the agreement with. It was pirate marriage. And they were best friends, just real good friends. (laughs) They were real gal pals, Sarah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, they might have been fucking, we don't know. Uh, They didn't really talk about it. I mean, I'm sure it could have been, like, both instances. Like, I'm sure. It could go either way. Like, if you choose to spend your life on a boat with a bunch of men. Well, that's the thing. Like, you could do most of the stuff, but not putting it in the the Davy Jones's locker if you catch McGriff. I would have actually preferred you didn't use the euphemism, but thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, if you didn't blow the man down. No, you could blow the man down. That's fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you think like a oh, homophobic. Um, someone brought up a really good point that if you don't do that right, it can result in injury. And that's just something you don't want to deal with when you're at sea. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Anyways. So Blackbeard knew that Bonnet wasn't great at his job. And he did eventually talk him into giving up majority of command of the revenge in exchange for quarters on the Queen Anne's revenge, where he would not be bothered with the demands of commanding a pirate ship and crew, but basically got to keep his captain's hat. You can still sit with us. (laughs) Basically. And Teach, in turn, placed one of his trusted men in charge of the revenge. So... (laughs) That's a very civil transfer of power. That's what I love the most, is that Blackbeard could have just killed him. I think, at this point, Bonnet was like, I'm tired. I do kind of like this. I don't want to go back to my fucking wife and kids. They're going to uh-huh. be mad. I'll hang out. So he was basically just a guest. Yeah. Um, so they set sail for the Bay of Honduras and later the Cayman Islands. Uh, and during the voyage, uh, Blackbeard was able to expand their fleet to five ships um, that were used in a May 1718 blockage of Charleston. Charlestown. Ooh. That's two words. Um, Charleston. So for, no, Charlestown. South Carolina? It doesn't specify South Carolina. Okay. It could be Charleston, and they just shortened it, but in 1718, it was Charlestown. That's also uh, possible. So for a week, they seized ships as they entered and left the harbor, and one of the captured ships carried a VIP passenger, a man named Samuel Ragg, a member of the Provincial Grand Council, who was bound for London. I was really hoping it was going to be like some crazy cameo like Benjamin Franklin, but I'm, oh man. Well, I'll do a mini sometime about how hard Benjamin Franklin fucked. <laughs> After threatening to kill Rag and the other hostages, Teach was able to convince Governor Robert Johnson to exchange them for medical supplies. <laughs> Way more useful. Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Blackbeard, as it was, turned out to be kind of a dick. Oh. Uh, needing a place to rest and repair their vessels, Blackbeard and Bonnet headed north to Topsail Island, where the Queen Anne's Revenge ran aground and was lost. Oh. Like, they couldn't get it out. Uh, leaving the biggest their- ship with the biggest guns. Yeah, I know. Um, I think Blackbeard wanted out. 
in in a weird way. So, leaving the remaining three vessels at Topsail Island, Blackbeard and Bonnet went ashore and journeyed to Bath, which was the current uh, capital of North Carolina. So, Blackbeard returned Bonnet to the command of the Revenge and announced that he planned to seek a royal amnesty that was being offered to pirates, and Bonnet decided to do the same. Oh, I don't like where this is going. The amnesty was a proclamation by King George I that all pirates who turned themselves in before January 5th, 1719 would be given amnesty. And the proclamation also included bounties for the capture of pirates who failed to surrender before the deadline, as well as offering rewards for pirate crew members, facilitating the capture of their captains. So Blackbeard didn't follow through with the plan. After receiving amnesty, Bonnet had stayed behind to make plans to buy a letter of mark in St. Thomas and go privateering, legal piracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for reference, a letter of mark was a legal document that authorized a private person, known as a privateer or corsair, to attack and capture vessels of a nation at war with the issuer. Mm-hmm. So after running his little errands, Bonnet returned to Topsail Island to find that Blackbeard had beached the majority of their crew, robbed the Revenge, and two other vessels of the squadron of most of their supplies, and sailed away for parts unknown aboard the Sloop Adventure, carrying all of their loot with him. Aww. It was a bad breakup. That's sad. So, in late June or early July of 1718, Bonnet officially resumed command of the Revenge. (laughs) A few, if any, of his original crew from Barbados were still alive, or aboard. Uh, Bonnet reinforced the revenge by rescuing a number of men whom Blackbeard had marooned on a sandbar. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And Steed and his new crew did what any sane person does after a breakup and tried to find Blackbeard once again. Oh my god. But the two would never see each other again. Aww. So while Bonnet wanted to keep up his plan to go to St. Thomas and become a respectable privateer, there were some issues. First, Blackbeard had stolen the food and supplies. That's a major issue. Yes, one pirate testified at his trial that no more than 10 or 11 barrels remained aboard the Revenge. Second, St. Thomas was in the midst of the Atlantic hurricane season, which would last until autumn. Not optimal sailing. So, hoping to preserve his pardon, Bonnet adopted the alias Captain Thomas and changed the Revenge's name to the Royal James. He further tried to hide his return to piracy by engaging in a pretense of trade with the next two vessels that he robbed. Soon afterward, Bonnet quit the charade of trading, said fuck it, and went back to being a regular pirate. Just didn't have the patience to wait it out to get that letter on Mark? No. Um, Actually, as the Wikipedia article said, he went back to naked piracy, (laughs) which again, I'd watch. So in July of 1718, keep in mind, this is still 1718. Oh my god, he's been on the sea for like a year. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He cruised to Delaware Bay, pillaging another 11 vessels. He took several prisoners, some of whom joined his pirate crew. And while he didn't usually keep the ships he plundered, Steed kept the last two ships, the sloops Francis and Fortune. So basically what happened was that Steed was a shitty pirate. He met his boyfriend, a great pirate who he was impressed by. Blackbeard broke up with him. And then Steed was like, well, fuck you. And basically did the piracy equivalent of Princess Diana's black dress. (laughs) (laughs) Which happy anniversary to that dress. That was yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, this is basically his revenge bod, but it's a boat. Yeah. Uh, So in August of 1718, the Royal James and the two captured sloops sailed southward southward from Delaware Bay. 
Um, the, the sloops lagged behind, and Bonnet threatened to sink them if they didn't stay closer. Uh, during the passage, Bonnet and his crew divided their loot into shares of about 10 or 11 pounds each and distributed, distributed it among themselves. And this is the only time Bonnet is known to have practiced the pirate custom of dividing loot. Oh, um, yeah, instead of just paying wages. Yeah, and it suggests that he had abandoned that practice. Well, he he learned from his friend. Yeah. As word reached Charlestown that pirates had gathered at Cape Fear, another pirate threat appeared off the coast of Charlestown. Pirate Charles Vane threatened the colony with hopes of having the same success as Blackbeard. But Governor Johnson dispatched two armed ships, the Henry and the Sea Nymph, under the control of Colonel William Rhett, which sounds like a musician. That sounds like a guy who would wear a uniform. Uh, but Vane may have been warned of the attempt and escaped. Uh, Rhett then decided to investigate the report of pirates at Cape Fear. So on September 26th, 1718, Rhett arrived at Cape Fear, but both of his ships ran aground briefly and later dropped anchor for the night. Bonnet, a.k.a. Captain Thomas, wink nudge, <laughs> sent a small boat down the river to investigate. And when the scouting party returned with word that armed vessels were at the river, Bonnet prepared the Royal James for a fight. <sighs> so during the battle on the following day, Rhett's two vessels and Bonnet's ship sailed into shallow water and were grounded. And during the gun battle, Rhett's men got the upper hand and Bonnet surrendered. Rhett was, and I quote, pleasantly surprised to learn that the pirate, pirate leader, Captain Thomas, was the Steed Bonnet Gentleman Pirate. Oh, so his name had gotten around at this point. Yeah. I guess riding with Blackbeard doesn't hurt, but... No, it, it does help to ride the um, proverbial coattails a little bit, but also probably the literal coattails. <laughs> um, so... Steed and 33 of his men who survived the gun battle were taken to Charlestown, where the crew was placed in jail. Bonnet, however, was considered a gentleman and was held in the house of the provost marshal. He was born with money, so we need to treat him nicely. On October 24th, Bonnet escaped and the marshal was dismissed under suspicion that he, also a Barbadian, had aided Bonnet's escape. Hmm. Intrigue. Four days later, while Bonnet was still at large... His men were arraigned, and all but four were convicted of piracy and sentenced to death. Oof. They were hanged November 8th at the tip of the Charlestown Peninsula. <sighs> That's a lot of pirates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two days before his men were hanged, on November 8th, uh, 1718, Bonnet was recaptured and placed under heavy guard. Now, I heard a rumor that at one point, either this time he was captured or the time before, he tried to escape by dressing as a lady? I have nothing else to back that up, but it is a story that I've heard. I will choose to believe that story, if only because I like it. It sounds on brand. Yeah. So he was captured on November 8th, put under heavy guard, and two days after the executions, he was put on trial. And like the majority of his crew, he was convicted and sentenced to hang. That's a bummer. The execution was set for December 10th, uh, 1718, but his execution was delayed seven times because people found Steed so pitiful during his trial, where he <laughs> begged for his life and blamed everything on Blackbeard, uh, they asked the judge to let him off. But the governor was, much like Shania Twain, not impressed. <laughs> That's... I was really hoping that they, it was like, they just all found him so gosh charming. darn charming. Yeah. yeah. No, That's, he was sad. Yeah, that actually probably fits better because he seems like just a very soft sad boy it's gonna get aggressively sad 
A frightened and semi-conscious Bonnet went to the gallows with his manacled hands clutching a bouquet of flowers. His body hung for several days before it was cut down. (laughs) I don't want to hear any of this. And buried below the low watermark. He was 30 and had been a pirate for two years. This poor man. But he fit so much shit into those two years. He did a lot. So unlike Bonnet, Blackbeard was not captured and brought to trial. He was killed off the coast of North Carolina on November 22nd, 1718, in a fight with two Royal Navy vessels dispatched from Virginia. Blackbeard's head was severed and taken back to port, and his body was dumped in the sea. I think in the mid-90s, they found the Queen Anne's Revenge. It was very cool. Yeah, that's it's ringing a bell. Um, so a plaque in Great... Uh, sorry, a plaque in White Point Garden at the Charleston Battery. So Charlestown was Charleston. <laughs> at the Charleston Battery marks the day that Bonnet died. Its inscription reads, quote, Near this point in the autumn of 1718, Steed Bonnet, notorious gentleman pirate, and 29 of his men captured by Colonel William Rhett, met their just desserts. After a trial and charge, famous in American history, by Chief Justice Nicholas Trott, all were buried off of White Point Gardens in the marshes beyond the low watermark. Just a lot for a plaque. That's, yeah, you gotta be a little more pithy on those, but, okay. But, but, he's, re- he's remembered as Steed Bonnet, notorious gentleman pirate. That is still very sweet, that they, they kept up with the brand. Um, so to, to wrap things up for the golden age of pirates, um, New Providence was shut down as a pirate haven in 1718. I guess they couldn't carry on without Blackbeard or Steed. Um, The Royal Navy became an ever more powerful presence in the Western Atlantic. And when the colonial governors heard of illegal trade going on in New Havens, they moved in with their warships. There was also a change of tactic with the Navy, like the pirates themselves, opting for Mm -hmm. fast sloops instead of heavy-ass gunships so they could pursue the pirates more effectively. Ah, smart. At the same time, in the Indian Ocean, the East India Trading Company began to use convoys and more aggressively protected its assets at sea. With their havens under attack and with way fewer possibilities to fend stolen goods, a life of piracy became a difficult one. And it was also now much more dangerous as capture was becoming more likely and the punishments Mm -hmm. were harsher. So the old days of letting most pirate crews off of the flogging as a warning and only hanging the captain were over, and now entire crews were being brought to justice in show trials that ended in mass executions, like the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Yeah, that's grim. In 1722, at Cape Coast Castle, uh, Guinea, in West Africa, 52 of Black Bart's crew were hanged in one day. Yikes. 52. How do you even build a gallows that big? I guess you're probably new not doing it all simultaneously, yeah, but wow. Um, At places like Execution Dock in Wapping, (laughs) London, or Dead Man's Cay near Port Royal, the sight of hanged pirates swaying in the sea breeze became a familiar one to locals and passing ships. The most notorious pirates had their corpses hung in an iron cage left to rot in the open air for one to two years. They did not fuck around in the 18th century. (laughs) It was interrupting the slave trade. Literally, that was, yeah. Yeah, that... It was getting in the way of their money. That makes sense. The money that they are making by, you know, buying and selling human beings, yes. Yeah. Um, Even those who escaped the death sentence only had their fate delayed and were either given long sentences in disease-ridden prisons or transported to penal colonies. Laughs here. 
uh, for uh, hard labor. So they sent them to Australia. Right, yeah. Uh, piracy was obviously never entirely stamped out, um, however, <clears throat> stamped out. However, as colonies came to establish themselves as more robust institutions of government, uh, the life of piracy became less tenable. So even mm-hmm. pirates themselves who had escaped the noose often settled down to a more respectable living on plantations or operated as honest merchants. Right. If and you've got the boat, you might as well start shipping. Basically. And that's the story of gentleman pirate Steed Bonnet and Blackbeard a little bit and other pirates. Well, that is delightful and sad. Yeah, it, it started fun and then kind I mean, of obviously yeah, they died. Got sad. I mean, that's kind of how I expected the story to end. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard the story of a historical pirate that doesn't end in a sad death, but... Yeah, they usually got hanged or killed in battle or died mm-hmm. of disease, which you don't hear about that often. But Blackbeard went down fucking fighting. Oh, yeah. So my sources were uh, Smithsonian, BarbadosCarolinas.org, which was actually really fucking helpful. Oh, nice. Um, how Stuff Works, WorldHistory.org, and worldhistory.org and wikipedia always and let's be honest our flag means death <laughs> i assumed as much i assumed that there was the, it was there for like color yeah it like i said it's actually it follows the main outline of the story but obviously they made some changes because um i don't know if you know this rise darby is not 30 no not remotely but that's okay i have a feeling that they'll change it up so he doesn't uh, get hanged for uh, a bad breakup. I I expect either there will be some sort of switcheroo happy ending, or they will just end the show before it gets to that point. Yes. I would hope um, so. I don't... I mean, just, like, the brief, like, clips and pictures I've seen, I would be sad if we had to watch them die. Oh, I, I absolutely don't think they're gonna take that route. Yeah. Let's hope so. But yeah, that's... I, I've had this episode planned for a very long time. That is delightful, and that does make me want to watch Our Flag Means Death even more than I already did. So I would highly recommend just popping on the uh, the first episode when you need to wind down for half an hour. It's it's the cutest shit, which I never thought would happen with like pirates, but they uh-huh. did it. Um, it's actually billed as a romantic comedy. Oh, lovely. Um, let's see. Oh, um, I guess starting with technically the next mini, we are going to enter our summer camp series <laughs> yes spooky scary summer camp stories we think probably yes um we've we've just acknowledged that we've been doing a lot of history lately and we we're gonna pivot to you know some spooky, spooky stuff for a little bit some spooky some weird some creepy um and then we'll probably get back to history i don't know there's just been a lot of exciting like history stuff that that's come up yeah it's fun to um, revisit those stories also, I'm going to be real with you guys. It is way easier to research historical stuff than it is ghosts. Oh, goddamn, are you ever correct? <laughs> um, actual sources really help, believe oh, it or not. Shit. Speaking of ghosts, it said that Steed Bonnet's ghost. Oh, oh. <laughs> it said that Steed Bonnet's ghost haunts uh, the area where the plaque about him is. Well, now I have to go to Charleston. Ugh. <sighs> Just thinking about how sticky it is in South Carolina right now. That's why you go in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so if you have seen Steed Bonnet's ghost or you have any fan theories about what happened to Lucius at the end of the season, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoonified. You can also email said theories to me at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. But mark them as spoilers, because remember, Sarah hasn't seen it yet. Mark them as spoilers. Uh, 
Um, you can go to our website, getafternoonfight.com, where there's fun merch. You can donate if you uh, feel the need. Um, we do accept pirate's booty. And that's the popcorn, not actual gems and things that will need fenced. I I would accept those. No, I, I wouldn't. Eh, well. I, I don't know who to go to with those. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to... I don't know who to go to to buy drugs, Emily. <laughs> I can't fence stolen gems. That's why I suggested popcorn. <laughs> White cheddar popcorn, specifically. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess we'll see you next time. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. We love you. love the bachelor franchise ah the romance the adventure the drama but do you also kind of hate the bachelor franchise oh yeah the sexism the racism the intense heteronormativity of it all here at date card we're just two obsessed queerdos who love to dissect talk shit and get blocked by problematic contestants yeah we're here for the good the bad and the chad of it all you can find us on soblo media itunes and spotify please Please accept accept this rose. rose For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.